Hello and welcome to the Guelph Politicast. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico. Today, I don't talk, but listen. Every year, the mayor of Guelph is invited to an event called the State of the City, where he or she gives a speech to the members of the Chamber of Commerce about the current issues facing Guelph and how city council plans on addressing them. It's a relatively non-controversial event, but it's a pretty good barometer for how our city's leaders are approaching the challenges we're facing, plus you get a breakfast. It was once said that in order to understand the future, you must first look to the past. So, what was on the mayor's mind last year when he talked to the chamber? We're going to find out because the 2022 State of the Union is the topic of this week's Guelph Politicast. The 2022 State of the City took place on March 31st. Delayed from the usual late January, early February perch for the event due to pandemic circumstances at the time. Remember, there was another lockdown last January. This was the first time that the event was held in person since we used to think about COVID-19 as trouble ahead. So one of the themes was how much had changed in the two years between in-person state of the cities. It was also an election year, so Guthrie was going to be called upon to set the stage for his then-yet-undeclared re-election campaign, not to mention some advocacy and politicking that could be done in the then-upcoming provincial election. And a lot has changed since the last State of the City, too. Guthrie was re-elected, so was the progressive conservative government at Queen's Park. COVID-19 has receded further into the background, and while some of that is because of the virus's own abatement, much of it is because so many of us have stopped caring. Interestingly, the event page for the state of the city on the Chamber's website does say, and I quote, masks are encouraged for this event, unquote. But the effects of the pandemic are still lingering as well, things like mental health and inflation. But cities struggling against those issues have also been whammied by massive policy changes from the provincial government that don't seem to address the problems and only create new headaches for municipalities like Guelph to deal with. There's an entire suite of issues that might make the final cut for this year's State of the City, but on this edition of the Guelph Politicast, we're going back to 2022. Mayor Cam Guthrie used the conceit of the then-internet phenom Wordle to lay out the city of Guelph's priorities in five-letter word chunks. You will hear the mayor talk about homes and the issues around finding affordable housing and homelessness, and he will also talk about grows, which means dealing with the infrastructure needs of a growing city, like inflation and supply issues that had an impact on the price tag of the South End Community Center. But you will not only hear from Guthrie, You will hear from Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Nicola Mercer, who was honored by Guthrie during the State of the City for her leadership during the pandemic. But let's not spoil the whole speech. Let's flash back to March and hear Mayor Kim Guthrie's State of the City, the 2022 edition, starting right now. Please join me in welcoming our Mayor, Kim Guthrie. God, remember to turn the mic on. The one thing they said, don't forget to turn the mic on. There we go. How are we? Good, yes, we're good. How's everyone? Great. Great, thank you, table one. (laughs) Settle down, staff. (laughs) 
Oh, that's great. Thank you so much for uh, for being here today. I am I'm so excited to see everybody in person. I almost wore jogging pants. <laughs> that, uh, that is what I almost did. So thank you very, very much. Uh, it's also, uh, as it was funny when uh, Shakiba said to kind of hold the applause. It's uh, meetings on Zoom and whatnot, they sort of went a little bit faster because there would really be none of that. There'd be like this or like, yeah, that, whatever. <laughs> Get on to the next speaker, right? So thank you again. I really, really, really appreciate it. I just want to begin with a statement of acknowledgement. Um, on behalf of the City of Guelph and on behalf of the Chamber of Commerce. So as we are gathered here today, we're reminded that the Guelph is situated on treaty land that is steeped in rich Indigenous history and home to many First Nations, Inuit and Métis people today. As a city, we have a responsibility for the stewardship of the land in which we both live and work. And today we acknowledge the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation of the Anishinaabek peoples on whose traditional territory we are meeting this morning. So before I get into <clears throat> excuse me, my remarks, I would like to again thank the title sponsor, Bell. Uh, you've been a supporter of this event for many, many years, so thank you very much. And to Shakiba and the entire team at the Chamber, uh, not only for all your work in organizing this event, for, uh, for of course under your leadership over the past few years, but there's no doubt this has been one of the most challenging times for businesses we've ever experienced. And you were there for our businesses and our community every single step of the way. Whether it was sourcing PPE, making sense of rules and regulations that seemed to change almost daily, or helping members apply for government funding programs. Let's give uh, her and the, the whole team, the board, uh, a big round of applause, please. Delta for the delicious breakfast. It's wonderful again to be having that kind of hospitality in person again. And I'd like to acknowledge uh, some of the members of City Council that have come here this morning. Uh, if you could please stand and, uh, and then we'll uh, recognize you with a rousing round of applause. Uh, Councillor Mike, uh, Ward 4, uh, Councillor Mike Salisbury, Ward 5 Councillors, I think Kathy Downer and Leanne Caron are here. Yes? Okay, just Kathy, and Ward 6 Councillor Dominique O'Rourke, and Ward 6 Councillor Mark McKinnon. I believe that's everybody. There they are. Let's give them a round of applause. For them. <laughs> and the executive team from the city, CAO Scott Stewart and Deputy CAOs Colin Quackbush, Gene Holmes, and Trevor Lee. Uh, thank you sincerely for your leadership, especially over these past few years. Uh, definitely not something that we expected as a city. And uh, so I just, I, on behalf of the council and the entire community, I sincerely appreciate all that you've done. So let's give them a round of applause. And last but not least, my family. Uh, I'm gonna start with the best. Rachel uh, and uh, my daughter Adelaide, you are the best too. I just really ruined that. Uh, you're all the best. I'll just cover that all off right now. Yeah, Adelaide, my son Anakin. No, he doesn't work for the Delta. Some people already tried to ask him for a glass of water. And my parents, uh, Frank and Karen, are, are here too. So uh, uh, they have to put up with me. So give them a round of applause. Uh, 
So the past two years have been one heck of a ride, eh? There's no doubt that it's been a tough couple of years. And I wanted to, I wanted them to have a little bit of fun this morning, a little bit of friendly competition. So that's why, as you know from the cards on your tables, when you came in, I wanted to challenge everyone to a game of Wordle, or we'll call it Guelphle today if we want to do that. How many people here in the room have played Wordle? Wow, okay. Wish I had invented that. <laughs> All right, uh, how many of you play it actually every day? Okay, all right, you're in good company with my wife. All right, well, so I guess we have some experts. Uh, we're gonna get to the game in a moment, but I hope you've had, all had a chance to scan that QR code and then complete the word and then you have your results handy. But first, just a brief comment on why I chose this game and what it has to do with the state of the city. Do you remember at the beginning of the pandemic when everyone started just like baking bread and posting it all over the place? Uh, and then all of a sudden flour, you can get flour like anywhere, right? Uh, it was very interesting times. Then I started noticing actually some other trends. Uh, people were doing recipe exchanges. Uh, people started knitting a lot. There was more and more uh, people out on our trails than we've ever seen before. Uh, people riding bikes way more everywhere. Uh, later in the pandemic, in October 2021, this is when Wordle came out, and at first people didn't pay too much attention, but by January, it had become this phenomenon with millions of people all over the place playing it every day. So why did the game become so popular so quickly? Uh, this is a, a simple word puzzle. It doesn't have fancy graphics or animation. It doesn't have any bells or whistles. The font and the colors are kind of boring. It turns out that people like simple. We don't need all the bells and the whistles. And if the past two years have taught us anything, it's the joy of those simple pleasures. Uh, a bike ride with the family, that well-cooked meal, reading a book, knitting. The pandemic brought unprecedented challenges and it also brought a new appreciation for the foundation of what's important, our health, our mental health, family and friends, and the ability to connect with other people. And as we move forward in the months and the years to come, we can't forget those lessons. We have to rededicate ourselves to what's really important. We have to focus on the things that really matter. So normally at this event, I'd have you know tons of slideshows, lots of pictures, and you know lots of charts and lots of graphs. But I'm going to hazard that the people in this room are sick and tired of looking at screens all the time. So whether that be in you know, Zooms or Microsoft Teams or WebEx or parents' favorite Google Classroom. Uh, so this year, uh, yeah, that, I thought that was funny too. So this year, I'm going to break with tradition and I, I'm just going to show you a couple of short videos. Uh, but other than that, I'm just going to talk. I'm just going to try to keep it really simple. And here's how our Wordle Guelphle is going to work. The words were scattered randomly throughout the room. And so I hope you had time to complete them. And you have to remember your results. I'm going to ask the room if anyone got it in one. If you did, I want you to raise your hand. I want you to tell me what the word was. And then I'll spend a few minutes talking about that word and how it relates to the city of Guelph. And then we'll just keep going. Who got it in two tries? Who got it in three tries? 
Does that make sense? Everyone, everyone with me? Okay, let's begin then. Who got the word in one try? Adelaide? Did you cheat? You probably did. Your mother and I will speak to you later. Who got it in two? Whoa. All right. What was the word? Homes. Okay. Homes. So let's talk about homes. One of the things I wanted to do this morning was take not just a look back over the last year, because I often do that when I speak to you, but the entire term of this council. Now, some of you may recall my 2019 State of the City address. That was the first of this term. I stood before all of you in this exact spot, and I went off script, and I said that I failed as a mayor when it comes to the issue of homelessness in this city. And I called on the community to join me in ending homelessness. And my goodness, did this community ever respond. My task force on homelessness and community safety identified three short and to medium-term priorities. The first was expanding the downtown welcoming streets initiative, funding the addiction support worker program, building a supportive recovery room for people to rest and recover from mental health and substance use crisis. Check, check, and check. We got them done. These projects are on the go with the support of incredible community partners who deliver the programs and supports of the funding that came from United Way, the Lynn, the City of Guelph, the Guelph Police Services Board, the County of Wellington, the DGBA, and others. And the task force also identified the importance of permanent supportive housing over the medium to long term. As the co-chair of the task force, Dominica McPherson always says, the solution to homelessness is housing. We now have three permanent supportive housing projects announced or started by this term of council that will reduce the number of people who are experiencing chronic homelessness by 50%. The projects are the Grace Gardens project, which is that former motel, the, Park, uh, the Parkview Motel, and actually received $6.4 million in federal funding to uh, revamp and do new construction there. I'd like to thank Lloyd Longfield and the federal government for that. Yes. We've also got supportive housing units at Wyndham House for Youth. And now the Kindle Project, uh, those are, that's going to be located in the Willow Road area, the land donated by Skyline and in partnership with Skylight Developments as well. This is truly incredible progress in the last few years. It represents the best of wealth. When we come together with a common goal, we can make amazing things happen. The United Way and Guelph Community Foundation, in partnership with the three project partners, Stepping Stone, Wyndham House, and Kindle, are working together to launch a capital campaign to support these projects. The funds will not only address the capital shortfall to get these projects done, they will also establish an ongoing fund that will enable us to respond to new opportunities. So please watch for that announcement of that campaign 
when it starts later this spring. Please donate if you can, please. And pass the word, spread the word around about this important initiative. Now, in addition to the important construction or renovation projects, I recently had a conversation about a way we can provide homes for people right away, like literally today. And I was blown away by the conversation. So I went back and I made a video about it. And here is that video for you now. Hey everybody, I'm here with Don Malini from Stonehenge. And I'm so glad I'm here with you today. This is a real call to action moment for our city. And I know we've been doing really well with council and the community coming together and the private sector and nonprofit coming together about supportive housing. And that's that has to do with building new or renovating something that's already there. But there's this gap. There's this gap with people that are ready today and are not waiting for something to be built, not waiting for something to be renovated. They're waiting today for an apartment to rent right now. And that's where you come in. And so I want to talk, if you could just explain what you are trying to do, what the problem is, and what you think a solution could be. Well, the, the problem is that we, we have folks who need a place to live and we have had struggles with mental health issues or substance use issues and so they really benefit from from sense of products. So we have a support housing program where you know there's case management, there's counseling, occupational therapy, peer support, we partner with other agencies and other stakeholders to ensure that a person has wraparound support so that their tenancy can be successful. Right? And they just need a regular apartment. They don't need the high level of support that are wonderful supportive Built are, are going to bring. Yeah. We just need an apartment for them, and then we can, you know, give that wraparound support. Rent is paid, guaranteed, on time to the landlord direct. Okay, so that one more time. Rent is guaranteed to the landlord direct every month. It's a good business deal. Not only the supports, but the financial supports are there guaranteed. Absolutely, absolutely, and and the tenant has support. So really, when you think about it. As a landlord, you know what you're getting with one of our tenants. You're getting your rent on time guaranteed, and you're getting a tenant who has wraparound support, which is more than you would know about any other tenant coming through. And the problem that you mentioned to me a little while ago was that there are people that are ready for this step in their life. And then when they get the application from the landlord or the property management company, they just maybe don't meet all of the criteria, but that's where you come in to help fulfill that and yet they're dismissed, they're put to the side, and that's where you can help with these individuals in working with the individuals and the landlord and the property management team to make it happen. How many how many could you how many could you house right now if someone were to come to you? Seriously just give me one, but I could have many. Yes. Like I have a list of folks who are really in desperate need of this of a roof over their head place to call home. And, and the supports. And the thing is, while they're unhoused, they're not receiving optimal support, so they're, they're really, the challenges are becoming worse, right? Well, this is the challenge, this is the call to action for our community. If you are a landlord, if you are a property management team, could you please reach out to Don, and there's other stakeholders in the community that can help too, but the best link to get to you is? Uh, our website, stonehengetc.com. Please, Graf, let's find these people a place to live to give them the dignity that they deserve. We're ready to help, 
It's so great. Council has supported, the community has supported the building, the construction of these supportive uh, homes. But we have people today, right now, that, that, that you can help. So maybe there's somebody in the room, maybe you know somebody that's a landlord. Like, spread the word that there are people that uh, can be housed today. Speak to them, that would be awesome. All right, who else got it in two? I saw another hand go up. You got into? What was your word? Grows. Grows. Okay. Well done, you got it in two. All right, well I can't have a state of the city address without talking about growth. Now unfortunately, growth is growth is six letter, uh, letters, so you know can't break the verbal rules, right? So I had to go with grows. The reason I always talk about growth is that it is driving almost everything we do at the municipality. From development planning to water and wastewater infrastructure to transportation to waste management to parks to recreations to transit and so on and so on. Guelph is growing to 208,000 people by 2050. The big question for all growing cities in Ontario and Guelph is certainly not alone in this is where are all these people going to live? In Guelph, some of them will be accommodated in the Clare Multi area, which is in the south end of Guelph. And that's uh, currently in the home stretch of the secondary planning process. This is going to be an amazing, vibrant new community in our south end. Some will be accommodated in the Guelph Innovation District, the former correctional facility lands on York Road, or as most people in Guelph call it, the old jail site. Some will live in the Doline Quarry area. The province has given approval of these lands to become part of Guelph's municipal boundary. And that will now protect Guelph's drinking source, which the city has been concerned about for years because of the potential impact of the quarry operations on our water table. And I'm thrilled that we reached a conclusion on that after many, many years. We know that these new developments will not be enough, though, to accommodate all of the growth of population in our city. So one of the issues that keeps me up at night, and I'm sure many of you as well, and I'm not just saying that, it's not like a line in my speech here, is the cost of housing is at an absolute crisis point in Ontario. Here in Guelph, it's, uh, we're not immune to it. The province just tabled legislation on this yesterday. Now, to their credit, they did hold a number of conversations with municipalities on this issue, and a lot of that feedback was incorporated into the legislation. I attended a housing summit with Premier Ford and the Minister of Municipal Affairs and Housing on this uh, very issue late last year, and then they also commissioned a task force from the province as well. Now, while I don't agree with everything that's in the task force recommend, uh, recommendations, or with everything that's in the legislation, there are a lot of positives, and I think it will make a small difference with housing affordability. It's a start, but we have a long way to go, and we all have a role to play. 
As a municipality, Guelph has also taken a number of steps internally. We can't just leave this to the province. We can't just leave this to the federal government or to others. We're allowing basement and garden suites now, or tiny homes, uh, to be built. When uh, Right now, we have about 10% of all units are that in our city. Getting a fully online building permit application portal is going to be coming up and running. And a building permit checklist for new builds in existing built-up areas of the city that will make things faster and a lot easier for people. Our city has been now awarded $1.75 million in provincial funding to streamline our development approvals process. We're going to use this and we're going to do it through a lens of lean, as many of you have heard of lean exercises. And, um, and so we're going to be using that. We're going to find more efficiencies and we're going to make our timelines better. And we'll be working with key stakeholders, uh, including the Guelph and District Home Builders Association, nonprofit groups like uh, Habitat for Humanity, as an example, that also builds in our city. Uh, we're going to deal with, uh, with this and we're going to get it done and we're going to make it better. I believe it's very important that we do have self reflection for moments at the city of Guelph. So we are going to take a good, hard look at what can we do ourselves as a municipality to improve supply and improve affordability. Now the province has framed this mostly as just a supply issue. I question that a little bit, but certainly supply is a factor that can't be ignored, but it's just not the only one. Uh, for example, I want to tell you that I, I do wish that the province included some reform to the land tribunals as part of their new legislation. I, I mentioned this as the Ontario Big City Mayor's Chair yesterday. Um, the, the land tribunal, it costs municipalities hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And it can actually hold up the housing that we need to get built as well, sometimes for years. So we know that these housing units also in our city, that there are some housing units that have been approved but actually not built yet. And that happens across Ontario. In fact, one of the stats is that there's close to 500,000 units in our province that have been approved to be built, but they're just not being built yet. So as a city, we need to find, you know, work, work with developers, find out from developers what it is to get some shovels in the ground on some projects that have actually already been approved, but just not built yet. So, but the reality is we can't simply go on with home prices like this the way they are. I'm looking at my own kids right here. You know, I, I'm getting off script, here we go. First time I'm off script. <laughs> Thank you. You know, Ra Rachel and I, we, we, we bought our first home. You were 19, yeah? And I was uh, 37. <laughs> Do you like it when I go off script? Yeah. I was like 23, 22, 23. And um, we bought our first home on Victoria Road. It was 125, I think it was. And I remember I had to sell my drum set, my baseball cards. <laughs> it's true. Uh, I sold a bunch of stuff on eBay, but we came up with that like $9,000 down payment. We, we, we scrounged that $9,000 down payment together to make it happen. And um, now I'm looking at my son, Anakin, 19. Adelaide's about to turn 18. There's absolutely no way they can afford a house. So you think I'm concerned about this because I'm the mayor and I'm standing up in front of you? No, I'm concerned about this because I'm a dad and I don't want my kids living in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. 
I'm sure my kids thought that I went off script there. <laughs> Anyways, we have a problem. We have a problem. And we gotta fix it. And we can do that together. Alright, who else got a word in two? Okay, at the back. Yes. Trust. Sorry? Trust. Trust. Okay. So I want to talk about community safety. Now, unfortunately, safety is also six letters. So then I thought about the word trust, which has five letters. And it's a close link to that sense of safety and that sense of trust. And incidentally, trust is the third word in the Guelph Police Services motto, pride, service, and trust. In the 2018 election, community safety was an important priority. It came up on almost every day that I, uh, when I knocked on doors, and I know several counselors experienced and candidates experienced the same thing. I'm proud to say this is an area where we have made major progress this term of council. In 2020, I stood on this stage and gave you data that made the case for significant investment in Guelph Police Service. The data said the crime rate was going up, the number of officers per 100,000 population was going down, and police overtime costs were at historic highs. These numbers were at the heart of a business case and that was made for 30 new employees at the Gulf Police Services. Today, I'm now pleased to share some new data of the results of that investment. Total crime decreased for the second year in a row in 2020, going down 11% since 2019. Our crime severity index numbers are now trending in the right direction with a 12% drop since 2020. Priority one response times have improved and 2021 saw the fastest response times in five years. The Guelph Police Services have now created permanent units, a downtown resource officer that has four officers who provide 24-7 coverage, as well as a dedicated officer who will become a familiar face to build relationships within our downtown core. And now there's what's called the BEAT team, break and enter and auto theft. That team was made permanent in January after a pilot project demonstrated its values. In the first 20 days, here are some of the results. First 20 days, 20 arrests, 83 charges laid, more than $70,000 in stolen property recovered, five stolen vehicle cases solved, and four break and enter cases solved. Not bad for 20 days of work. I want to thank Chief Gord Kobe for his leadership. the entire senior, senior leadership team from GPS. And I really want to thank all the frontline officers. Throughout the pandemic, police officers continued to be in our community, serving our community wherever they were needed. I'm grateful to the first, all first responders, by the way, not just police, for their service throughout this pandemic. Now I want to touch on another area where council has made significant progress this term. And that's on the area of road safety. This is a major factor in overall community safety and security. Council just approved the city's transportation master plan. That plan adopts a vision zero approach to road design and operations, an approach based on the philosophy that no loss of life on our roads is acceptable. But it's not just about safety for drivers. It's about other ways that we move around the city too. Walking, cycling, riding transit, riding on trains, and so on. The plan includes a pedestrian priority network, 
and we need to start building sidewalks on now both sides of streets. The plan also includes a cycling spying network. We need to build more protected cycling infrastructure, and that's going to come as well. Actually, I think, I think we got some money from the feds towards separated bicycle lanes. So thank you, Lord. The Delta also needs new speakers, so if you could get a grant for that. <laughs> <laughs> Last summer, Council approved a number of safety measures. We reduced speeds by 10 kilometers an hour in almost 50 neighborhoods and throughout most of the downtown. Some bigger roads went from 60 to 50, and some residential streets, uh, actually all residential streets, will now go from 50 to 40. We're introducing photo radar with equipment that will rotate through school zones and other key areas. Uh, red light cameras have been installed in six spots across our community already. Last summer you may have noticed uh, some bullards and pedestrian crossing signs now that are new across the city and some narrowing of some roads. Uh, they come down in the fall though, some of those uh, speed bumps and bollards and then they go back up in the spring. But just like policing, the road safety, it's important because the, the data and the stats are on our side. These things work. And it's about being safe, uh, bringing safety to our community. I talk to actually a lot of school groups. You wouldn't begin, uh, begin to understand how many of the students, they want that sense of feeling safe, especially when they're riding their bikes or even walking to school. You wouldn't believe how many of them say to me, I, will, I would bike to school if I just had a protected bike lane to do it. And guess what? When people feel safe on those sidewalks and on their bikes, then they're out more and then they become the neighbors that say hi to each other as they're coming up and down their streets. We get to know each other and we build an even stronger sense of trust and safety in our community and that is a positive, positive move forward. All right, did anyone else get one and two? Yes? Jai? Cares. Cares. All right. Wait, guys, we should have a picture up here of everyone who got it in two. All right, our next word is cares, because guess what? We are a community that cares. And a great example of that fundraising campaign is the fundraising campaign from the Guelph General Hospital, which happens to be called Together We Care. The campaign recently wrapped up, and I have a short video to share with you about that. Because that's what they need to more quickly and accurately. 
accurately diagnose illness and injury to provide exceptional care and return patients back home to their families sooner. Any piece of equipment used to care for patients at Lofton Hospital is funded through the support of our caring community. Construction costs also require some contribution from the community before the government will approve significant bill projects. Here's the thing. When we all come together to do our part, anything is possible. I am so proud to be part of this incredibly generous community, along with you. I am so thrilled to help deliver this incredible news, news that you helped make happen. We determined it would take $34 million from our community to reach the sky. That's a lot to ask for, but I've had 31 years to get to know the generosity of this community. When we set that target, I felt deep in my heart that you cared and that you would help. Together, you and our generous community raised $37,496,057. Because of you, we will save lives and improve health together with our community. Thank you. Yes, clap for that. spot, Suzanne. Suzanne, stand. She, please stand and don't clap yet. Stand, I'm going to embarrass you. <laughs> she just announced her retirement. What a way to go out, eh? Okay. Thank you for your leadership so much. I mean, the whole team, of course. Marianne uh, at, the, at, the, at the helm there at the hospital, but raising those funds because, you know, we all hear about the hospital all the time, especially me. <laughs> so please, round of applause. For So you heard all about the, the, the uh, things that they're going to be building there uh, and expanding, especially the expansion of our, of our emergency department by 60%. That will mean shorter wait times, better space for mental health care, addictions patients, and to start to end hallway medicine. They're going to fund all kinds of equipment and care for patients. And a lot of people don't know that the provincial government does not fund equipment. Isn't that interesting? Every piece of equipment used in patient care in our hospital is funded by donors. So congratulations again to everybody. And I, I was told it was 10,000 people that donated in our community. Did you hear the last number there, Marian said? 37 million, blah, 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 and $57. That means some people literally gave like a couple bucks here or there. Like It's every single dollar that really made uh, that a success. A success. The successful campaign then on this means that the hospital can move forward with those immediate needs. But here comes Mayor Cam with some vision for you. When I look at the city's growth targets for the next 10 to 20 years, it is absolutely clear to me we are going to need a new hospital, a larger new hospital. Our current hospital simply does not have the space, the capacity, or the layout to accommodate the thousands of families who are coming to Guelph. Parts of the hospital are more than 70 years old. The hospital has started, I'm proud to announce this today, the hospital has started the Provincial Ministry of Health's master planning process. This involves exploring many options, including building new on the current Del High site, or building a new hospital on a completely new site. In an ideal situation, 
This build could happen and be completed within 10 years. I've been told it's on the radar at the Ministry of Health. They're aware of the need of the hospital and they're working hard to try to move things along. Now I know you've heard me probably say over and over again, hospitals are provincial jurisdiction. They're not a municipal jurisdiction. But the fact is, is that the provincial government only funds 90% of hospital construction. The remaining 10% comes from the community. So please listen to me now. 10% of a brand spanking new larger hospital is a lot of money. And that's why I've been talking about this for years. We must start working towards it now. And that may involve conversations around the Council Horseshoe about continuing the dedicated hospital levy. It may involve even more fundraising campaigns. Do I believe this community will step up and rally around a new hospital? Absolutely. There's no doubt in my mind because this is a community that cares. This is a community that has raised tens of thousands of dollars just recently for the people of Ukraine and where I get daily calls for people wanting to open their homes to refugees. It's a community where when we put the call out looking to host COVID vaccination clinics, the University of Guelph and Linamar immediately opened their doors for us. It's a community that's opening youth mental health and wellness hubs called The Grove, where youth can drop in and access services they need. I recently toured The Grove Hub, one of them, at the University of Guelph with that partnership there. And there will be hubs at the Y, at Shelldale, and at the new building on Woolwich. This is a community that can accomplish great things when we put our minds to it. We are a caring, caring community. And I'm so proud to be your mayor. I, I've talked to other, other mayors in other cities where I can tell you, uh, Guelph is the envy. When it comes to this type of stuff, we really know how to pull together and care as a community. All right, anyone else get it? A word in two. Okay, who got one in three? Is that, uh, yes, go ahead. Yep. Learns. Learns. Learn. Okay, yes, can't put the S on there. I chose the word learn to talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Our journey to eliminate systemic racism is a journey of learning. Sometimes that learning comes in big moments that were felt around the, wor uh, the world with the murder of George Floyd, the discovery of graves of children on residential school sites. Sometimes it comes in very small and individual moments. The first time you use that elevator at the downtown library and actually think about what it would be like if you were in a wheelchair, what would it be like? You can barely squeeze in that elevator. You can't even turn around, it's so tiny. For me, one of the moments came when I saw a post on Facebook from a mother whose 13 year old son was, I think I'm just gonna keep going, I don't know what that was. <laughs> Delta's gone backwards. Okay. <laughs> so we need speakers and a new sign. Okay. Make a list there. All right. <laughs> what am I talking about again? <laughs> learn, learn, learn to roll with it. Learn to roll with it. Is what I'm doing. For me, one of those moments came when I saw a post on Facebook from a mom whose 13-year-old son was getting bullied. I reached out to the mom and her son, and I actually ended up going over to their house and going for a walk. I was bullied quite a bit as a teenager, 
And it's not okay, and it's not a place in our community. Although sometimes on Facebook, I find them bullied like every hour. <laughs> As a city, we know we have to listen closely to stories, to struggles, and to the pain of those that have experienced oppression. We know we have to unlearn the systems that are not equitable. And we have to relearn from those in the community that possess the knowledge and expertise and lived experience to change those types of systems. Together with the community, we've added a new section to our community plan called We Are Community. And we are committed not just to working towards equity, but to eliminating systemic racism and discrimination in all its, all its forms. I'm pleased that the city now has a senior advisor for equity, anti-racism, and indigenous initiatives, Sarah Sayed. We've also just welcomed an intergovernmental advisor specializing in indigenous relations, Trevor Bomberry, and we're currently recruiting now for an equity, diversity, inclusion specialist. Sarah is here today. I'm putting you on the spot. Welcome, Sarah, to our team at the City of Guelph. can't learn and unlearn and relearn everything overnight, but we are committed to this work because we know it goes to the heart of what it means to be a community, a place where everyone feels that sense of belonging. All right, we got another word in three. Anyone get it in three? Oh, well done, you in the back of the room. Who got it in four? Anybody get it in four? Yes. Buses. Buses. All right. In 2020, I stood on this stage right in this exact spot and I proposed free transit for those 18 and under in our city. I actually had a council motion ready to go. I had groups, delegations, correspondence, I had already talked to council about it to advocate for this program. And I was planning to bring that motion to the committee meeting at the beginning of April 2020. My motion never made it to that meeting because the city had much other pressing issues at that time, called a state of emergency, shutting down the first time of, the, of our council meetings, and transit ridership plummeted overnight. But that idea did not go away. It just had to wait a bit, and approved as a pilot project by council for 2022 is a modified version of the original proposal, uh, proposal that I was gonna bring forward a couple of years ago, or as I see it, it's a first step in moving towards free transit for those 18 and under, we are now providing free transit for those 12 and under. And I made a little bit of a, a little video about this for you. I'll show that to you now. Hey Guelph, Mayor Cam Guthrie here. I'm here with my friend Jess from Guelph Transit. And we have something super exciting to announce for the community. We now have free transit for children 12 and under. It's a pilot project for one year. And we just wanted to tell you how easy it is for you to be able to get your car through 12 and under so you can enjoy transit for free across our community. And we have a family that's actually joined us today with a, a couple kids that are in the exact age that is going to be getting their, uh, their free car. Now Jess is here to tell us how you can get your car for that free pass. So there's three easy ways to get a new fare card. Children for the nerve do not need 
retailer, a good woman filling up that form to register the card, or you can visit Service Well, and they can register the card and give it to you right away. You don't need to bring your child with you to Service Well, you just need their valid ID. All the information is on walktransit.ca. We want to get children on buses earlier in life. We want to help with families that are trying to save some money and not always having to jump in the car. And getting that free transit pass, I think, will encourage not only you and your family, but you can tell others about this wonderful opportunity this year. We hope you take us up on it. Isn't that a great program? Thank you to Council. new affordable bus pass with a sliding scale based on need. We have on-demand transit service that's very easy to use. If you have not used it, use it. Please share on-demand service. We're getting four new electric buses this summer and this will help us meet the council approved goal of using 100% renewable energy for city operations by 2050. We are currently actually sitting at 25.5% of that for 100% renewable. As we transition our transit to electric, that will have a major impact on greenhouse gas emission reduction and help with climate change in our community. In our last budget, Council funded millions in new investment for transit. This includes moving to a grid structure instead of the central hub system. No more going downtown to change buses all the time. It includes better service on major corridors, more express routes, and better Sunday service. And I believe these changes will help us win back the ridership that we've lost during the pandemic. And I think it's going to win us brand new customers as well. And I truly believe that these changes will give our city that modern transit system that we need. We've been talking about it for years, but this council got it done. All right, who else got it in, what am I at, three or four? I'm at four, I think. Who else got a word in four? Okay, I love the honesty in the room. You got, yes? What was it, sorry? Costs. Everyone's favorite word, costs. Who's been to a gas station lately? <laughs> Who's been to a grocery store? Has anyone tried to build a deck last year or priced one out for this year? We all know costs are rising, but we have never seen costs rise like this. The city is seeing it in major capital projects too. In fact, all cities are facing this issue. As was said on the chair of the Ontario Big City Mayor's Caucus, we talk about this issue a lot as the mayors across the province. So I want to talk to you about the South End Community Centre. A few weeks ago, we learned that the lowest bid to build this project came in 50% more than budgeted. The bid was $121 million and we only budgeted 80. And I know this is disappointing, very disappointing to me, especially to the residents of the south end of Guelph who have been waiting a very long time. Can you imagine how Councillors O'Rourke or McKinnon feel that that's their, their ward that they represent? The first thing I just really want to say in regards to this issue is don't panic. I know that's coming from a fiscally conservative mayor. Don't panic. The process is working exactly as it was supposed to. When staff received the bids, everything stopped. The tender has not been awarded and no dollars has been spent. No shovels are in the ground. 
The same thing recently happened when bids on the Speedville Bridge replacement came in over budget. Staff paused the project. I'm going to say it out loud because I know you're thinking it. The same thing could happen on the Baker Street Library if it comes in over budget. We will have to pause and consider our next steps. Council will be discussing capital costs on Monday at our Committee of the Whole meeting. The staff report's public and you can read it on Guelph.ca. We're being transparent about this and we're going to have to be transparent about the discussion on how we're going to deal with it. But I want to address all the people that email me or hit me up on social media in some way to say we need to cancel the Baker Street redevelopment which includes that library on that site. Listen to me very clearly. There would be significant financial implications of pulling the plug on projects that have advanced this far. And this includes reputational risks which I will not subject our city to when partnering with the private sector on projects. There are contractual agreements that have been signed, land issues that have been resolved, there are deposits and contracts for infrastructure and utility requirements all done. There has been millions spent on investments in detailed design and work and consulting fees. There's already ongoing site preparation. The Baker Street parking lot has been closed now for archaeological work. And the downtown businesses have been dealing with that disruption already. And they're already planning to wade through construction for the next few years. Now I want to address people that are emailing and hitting me up on social media about the South End Rec Center. We have collected development charges for that South End Rec Center for many, many years. The business case has been developed. We need new ice pads, we need a pool, and we need a community center. And that, that has been clear and demonstrated for years, even decades. You do not throw out your plans entirely with a knee-jerk reaction when you have investments especially investments with private sector relationships when you have a bump in the road. That's not the way you would do business. That's not the way the city does business. And I'm not going to do business like that either. We all need to take a breath and we need to trust our city staff. There are off ramps and decision points along the way on these projects so that council and the executive team can weigh those options. We can manage the risk and the finances, and we can decide a path forward on such important community building projects such as these within, within our city. Okay, who else got one in four? Anybody? Who got them in five? Yes? Thanks for putting up your hand. Yours was already taken. John, I love you. Okay. Um, even though you're a Winnipeg uh, Blue Bombers fan, I still love you. It's okay. Let's see. Anyone else in five? Six, you got it in the final one, on six. Anybody? All right, well, I'm gonna go to one then. No one got COVID? <laughs> Rachel did? No, she doesn't have COVID, by the way. No one got COVID, I did. It wasn't sound. All right, no problem. So I wanna take a moment while we're gathered for the first time in a long time to recognize the extraordinary leadership of our Wellington Dufferin Guelph Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Nicole Mercer.
Dr. Murfer's brave, bold, and steady leadership was a blessing to this community during one of the most difficult times we've ever experienced. She was the first medical officer of health in Canada to mandate wearing masks, and then many others followed. It soon became that given that masks were one of the simplest, easiest, and most effective public health tools that we could use. But I know firsthand she has taken so much criticism in the city, especially in the early days of the pandemic. She took some criticism even when she decided to close some schools in our public health unit in April 2021. I can only imagine how difficult that decision was. But Dr. Mercer made these decisions, as always, with utmost integrity, guided by the data and the science and absolute dedication to the health and well-being of our community. She was also the public face of the pandemic in our city. She kept the community updated through media and was a frequent guest, uh, guest on Finding the Balance webinars that were viewed by thousands of people in Guelph and around the world. She was calm, compassion, compassionate, and she was just a, a strong presence within our city. And she provided facts all along the way that we could all understand as well. She did all of this while mobilizing the biggest vaccination efforts in our city's history, an effort that saw Wells' vaccine rate exceed that not only province-wide, but actually close to North America. And she did it while being blamed for everything, from whether it was the Premier's latest announcement or the fact that we couldn't get haircuts. I think she sent all those calls to me. <laughs> This is leadership, and I'll tell you one thing, I've always been grateful for that. In one of the most challenging chapters in our history, Guelph had Dr. Mercer in our corner. At this time, I'd like to invite Dr. Mercer up to the stage to accept a gift. This is a print from Guelph artist Barbara Salzberg-Matthews, and I'll read what it says on the plaque. Presented to Dr. Mercer from Mayor Ken Guthrie in recognition of outstanding leadership through the COVID-19 pandemic. Please join me in thanking her so much for her leadership. Business, got in the health business. 
we are not at the end. I, I don't always want to be fair or bad news. <laughs> but I do know that we've done all the right things and we will get through this. Um, it has been a journey. It has been a privilege to be your MOH. And I cannot thank you as a community enough. Thank you. so much. The, the picture is uh, along the river, I think it's along uh, Royal City Park. Uh, I tried to pick the most calming thing you could look and stare at in your <laughs> office uh, for the next little while. All right, I want to make sure I've gone through every single one of the things that I have here, which I believe I have done so. Yes. Did someone just say aw? Thank you. <laughs> That's great. Um, look, I know at the beginning of my remarks, I talked about keeping things simple and getting back to basics. Uh, then I proceeded to talk for 45 minutes about dozens of things that the city of Guelph has done. Believe me, that irony is not lost on me at all. Um, we are coming up on another election, and the next council will have the challenge of setting a path for the new term including a new strategic plan that is affordable for the city. As that happens, it's important to remember lessons of the pandemic. We need to get back to basics. We need to get our fundamentals right. Of all the things I've talked about this morning, I think all of them do reflect that. They are the foundations of the important things, and we need to do them well. But there was another important lesson from this pandemic, and to illustrate that, I want to do one more wordle, but I want to do it together. So, Kate is uh, from my office and she's helped me so, so much here. Let's give Kate a round of applause as she tries to <laughs> Speaking of from my office, everyone needs to meet Sandra. Where are you, Sandra? Sandra's my new EA. Thank you. I tell everyone I work for her. <laughs> okay, we figured that the, so, um, the Delta needs new speakers, <laughs> new sign, and Wi-Fi, okay? <laughs> Thank you very much. All right, let's try to do it together without it going up on the screen then, I'm, I'm, I'm rolling with it here. Uh, five letter word, uh, that means, <laughs> Together. Unity. Who said unity? <laughs> Dominique. All right. Yes. Well done. Unity. That was going to be the fun world that we just did. Wasn't it fun, everybody? <laughs> just close your eyes. Take that in. Someone says a different word, and here we are. Okay. Unity. There's nothing we can't accomplish when we're united. We see it in every single aspect of our lives. Healthcare, housing, mental health, transportation, safety, economic growth and investment. And so that's my call to action today. Whatever we do, let's do it in a spirit of unity. And that means council. That means the community, city staff. And yes, it means me too. Thank you very, very much for being here today. I'm happy to take a few questions.
Are there any questions? Yes. Uh, you talked about growth and uh, housing and healthcare and the uh, prospects of opening up a second hospital. All this is wonderful, but what do we have in the way of taking into account the other things that are going to need, as in the increase in energy costs as we go forward? The more people we have, the electricity bills are going to get higher. Are we looking at alternatives for that in any way, shape, or form? Yes, so thank you for that question. The question was about as we continue to grow as a population, what about our energy costs? And what's that going to take as our population grows to 2050? So we don't only have uh, an, uh, goals from the city of Guelph when it comes to renewable energy or net zero that are from the corporation side, so only the things that the city of Guelph uh, handles uh, as a corporation, but we have the community-wide net zero goals as well. And so what we have is we have some good stakeholders in the community. Um, one of them uh, that was set up a couple years ago is called uh, Our Energy Guelph. And we're going to be looking at using them to do more of the community outreach as we do the things that we need to do inside of the corporation of the assets that we own. Um, the other thing too, as I'll just quickly talk about this, is uh, we have a program that was just uh, passed by council maybe two months ago, TOPS. And it's called the PACE program, and just high level on that is it's looking to give people in the community, residential, multi-res uh, people uh, that have homes and whatnot, uh, an opportunity to actually tap into some funds that can help them retrofit their homes with uh, you know, solar panels or better insulation, upgraded windows, things like that to make their homes a lot more energy efficient. And then it will be a program that's uh, tagged that onto your property taxes. So it actually gets paid back over many years, up, up to 25 years, through your property taxes. If you then were to sell your home, and you, let's say you only had 10 years left or whatever, then obviously the new buyer would be aware of that, and it would be a little bit more uh, on their property taxes because they're paying that off. But you would reap the benefits of lower energy costs as you move forward. Uh, last night at Council, we also talked about what can we do in partnering with the development community as new builds are being done as well. So I just talked about retrofitting existing stock, but what can we do when we have new builds come forward as well to try to make those developments also uh, respecting energy costs, climate change, uh, and, uh, and things like that. So hope that gives you a little bit of uh, insight into some things. Yes. Well, hello. Uh, this was great. Um, and you did speak about, probably should stand up, um, regarding uh, unity. And uh, I love hearing that. What steps are we taking as a city to kind of bring those communities together? Um, in the past, there's been some, uh, some news in, um, in terms of uh, situations that have happened with uh, individuals, with some of our uh, members, restaurants. Um, there's got to be a better way. Uh, are yeah. we doing something like, do we have some type of policy that's coming into play to bring those communities back in together? Yeah, thanks, thanks Ray. Uh, they, that's a great question. I would immediately point to our community plan. I talked a little bit about that high level within, the, within my speech today, but the community plan a few years ago um, was a great plan, and it was a couple years of work and engaging with the community to come to, to where that community plan was going to uh, move forward for us. And then some things happened a couple of years ago that opened all of our eyes that there were gaps within that community plan, and we needed to revisit it. 
So part of the re-engagement of that, uh, actually along with Sar Sayad and others, uh, we actually engaged many more members in the community, such as you just described, to try to give input into that revised community plan that we have. Now, I will say the last couple of years from a unity perspective of trying to get together in person has also been quite difficult. So I'm really looking forward to those opportunities more than just Zoom meetings. I mean, we miss that unity part when we're not actually together. So there's going to be a lot more things moving forward. In fact, uh, updates to our community plan um, uh, that really do talk a lot about BIPOC issues, the indigenous relations issues that we're dealing with uh, as well. Uh, all of those things are going to be coming to council to be approved. So we're going to have open dialogue with the community about that, and we're going to be accountable to the things that are going in these plans and these policies as well, so that they can be tracked. And we're doing uh, we're doing uh, sort of baseline data right now. I think there's a there's going to be uh, like a survey done, a professional survey done across the community about services and how we're doing. And those kind of baseline data will help us do them again, maybe a year later, or maybe another year later, where we can compare and compare and compare. Uh, lastly, I would just say I'm eyeballing you know, the president of, uh, of uh, the University of Guelph. I'm eyeballing Shakiba as the president. Of the, like, it's it, it's all these other stakeholders and organizations and all of us individually uh, that has to do it together. The city cannot do it alone, and so we are always looking for people to come up with ideas where we can partner with them to to further those issues within the city for sure. Um, I want to respect time. One more, so it better be the best question. Yes, go for it. Uh, what kind of development does the city want to see for the Guelph Innovation District? What kind of development does the Guelph, does Guelph want to see for the Guelph Innovation District? So um, what happens is, and we talked about this at council last night, there's always in cities what's called an official plan. That's kind of the large umbrella over the entire city that kind of lays out how things are going to be. Then, within that plan, there's uh, more focused plans, or what's called secondary plans. And the GID, the Guelph Innovation District, actually already has an approved uh, secondary plan for what's going to happen there. Now, you'll probably know a few months ago, uh, at the corner of uh, Stone Road and Victoria, uh, where the old uh, Grass Institute was from the University of Guelph, all of those lands there, uh, about 245 acres, were already sold, and actually to a, a local developer, which I'm really excited about, because that's good community connection there. Uh, the other side of, of that, though, closer to where the jail entrance is and whatnot, that is still owned by the province, and it's still not disposed of yet, but it's coming very soon, I've been told. Uh, so when that comes up for uh, sale, whoever gets it, uh, then there's already a plan. They already know that plan that's laid out. It will be multi, uh, it will be uh, residents, it will be jobs, there'll be a lot of green space that cannot be, a lot of natural heritage on there that cannot be built on. Uh, and then actually, uh, the last thing I would say about that is uh, because it's such beautiful land there, like the whole community, uh, I'm sure many of you have walked out there, it's so beautiful. Um, at one of the uh, uh, council meetings that we had, uh, there was a, a real desire to see if we can work with the province on seeing how much of that we can keep for public space as well so the public can enjoy it for generations to come. But that secondary plan is available on Guelph.ca and you can look at how things are sort of zoned and laid out uh, for all those uses. Um, Shakib is coming up and I'm going down. And thank you so much everyone, have a great rest of the day. And once again, that was Mayor Cam Guthrie.
the 2023 State of the City, hosted by the Guelph Chamber of Commerce, is Thursday, February 2nd at 7 a.m. at the Delta Hotel and Conference Center on Stone Road. Tickets are $50 for members and $70 for future members. And to find out more information, call the Chamber Office at 519-822-8081 or go to the Chamber's website at guelphchamber.com. And that's it for this edition of the Guelph Politicast. The music for the Guelph Politicast comes from KPM Classics and Sid Dale. The Guelph Politicast is usually recorded at CFRU, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. And to learn more about CFRU, go to CFRU.ca. You can download the Guelph Politicast every Wednesday from Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And when you subscribe to the Guelph Politicast channel, you'll get an episode of Open Sources Guelph on Mondays and an episode of End Credits on Fridays. You can follow Guelph Politico on social media at Guelph Politico on Twitter and at Politico Guelph on Facebook. You can follow me at Adam A. Donaldson on Twitter and Instagram or send me an email at adamadonaldson at gmail.com. And if you'd like to help financially support the work of Guelph Politico, you can get all that information at guelphpolitico.ca slash donate. And for all the latest local political news, check out guelphpolitico.ca, where we will have a new episode of the Guelph Politicast for you next week. And until then, we will see you next time.